rolling. What's happening, y'all? Andy and Zach broadcasting from East Nashville, Tennessee on a summer day that finally was not too unbearably hot. Was it not? It was not that bad. No, I have not been out at all. Well, we got a little bit of rain and that cooled us off. Wait, what? I didn't get any rain. What are you talking about? You didn't get any rain? No. I got rain. What? My car's all wet. Okay. Well, yeah, we didn't get any rain. Huh. You drove out to the west side today? Yeah. You didn't get any rain this morning? No rain. Really? None. That's interesting. And then drove back home and stayed at my house all afternoon where it did not rain. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah, we got some rain on the way to uh, Green Hills area. Huh. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we're supposed to have rain all week. So I'm not, I'm not upset yet. If we get missed by all the rain all week, I'll be a little upset. Yeah. But. It's this coming from the guy who has a big yard. Well, here's, so here's what's tricky about that. It needs to be cut. It's long. It's like crawling over my uh, sidewalk. But if I cut it and it doesn't rain, then it scorches and it dies. And yeah. It looks terrible. And so it's a careful balance where I have to. Cut it, like let it get long and then cut and then hope for rain. And I think it might outrun me this week. I think between the rain and everything, because right now the priority is painting the nursery. But I got most of that done today, so maybe I'll be able to cut grass tomorrow. Yeah, and the nursery looks great. It does look great. It's very blue when you're in that room. It like everything just feels like that color. Yeah, it'll be good when it's like set up and ready. But yeah, yeah, man, it's cool. But yeah, so we finally get a little break from the high 90s and low three-digit temperatures. Mm. So yeah, a little rain today, and we're supposed to get a little bit of rain, I think, every day this week. So I I think it's going to keep us down in the 80s. So that's nice. Enough about the weather. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about working out, lifting weights, and the... One of the biggest, probably most important conversations around lifting weights and training is how does one gauge one's progress? How does one progress in the gym? You know, progressive overload is like our main principle for uh, to adhere to, almost regardless of whatever your goals like may be. Um, lifting more volume, lifting heavier weights, all this stuff. And there's, obviously we can be, uh, we can be very black and white in terms of how we program things out on paper. Just lift five more pounds this week than you did last week. But obviously we know that doesn't uh, work out in the long term. So Andy and I were talking about the RPE system. Mm-hmm. or rate of perceived exertion system. Mm-hmm. Um, and an offshoot of that being the RIR system, reps in reserve system, mm. or way of looking at things or, or judging your, your workouts. So these are ideas that I've played around with a little bit in training and programming, but not very much. Mm-hmm. So you, you pick it up from here and tell me what your experience has been. Well, there's I have a couple I there's a couple things about all this. So first, before we go down this rabbit hole, so our rating of perceived exertion is a scale from zero or one to ten. 
10 being, holy hell, that was really hard. I don't think that I could do any more work. That was it. Number 10. One being sitting on the couch, podcasting. Podcasting. Although I would consider I would consider our podcast like a two. Okay, so it's an RPE two. We do have to lift these twelve ounces. I put a lot of exertion into okay. this podcast. <laughs> I'll have you know. So RPE is on a scale from one to ten. Ten being that was the hardest thing you've ever done. One being sitting on the couch and everything in between. So medium effort would be maybe a five. So there's that. The other system, reps in reserve, is quite literally what it sounds like, which is do you know take a set of whatever exercise you're doing with let's say two reps in reserve that means take the set to close to failure but with two reps in the tank that's it a one rir would be one rep in the tank a three rir would be three reps in the tank now a lot of people look at both rpe and reps in reserve as more or less Inverse Inverse or numbers. two sides of the same coin kind of yeah. thing. So in other words, an RPE 8 means two reps in the tank. An RPE 7 means three reps in the tank. An RPE 9 means one rep in the tank. And an RPE 10 should be zero reps left in the tank. Yeah. So I think by now we're all following along with what RPE and RIR mean. Now in practical terms... Um, historically, I, I would program most workouts with fairly set reps and weight, or excuse me, sets, reps, weight, or whatever, maybe use percentages, like 65% of your, your one rep max or your theoretical one rep max, and so on and so forth. 75%, 80%, 85%. Depending on the client, what we're trying to do, what the lift is, their experience, I'll kind of I'll either linear periodize that, so maybe week one, be, we'll say 70%, week two, 75%, week three, 80%, so on and so forth. The problem with percentage-based training is that it doesn't necessarily account for day-to-day fluctuations in how you feel. So, And you're not a robot. So if, I, if on the board I write today, like tomorrow actually, Leah is going to do a squat in theory, we're going to squat her one rep max, excuse me, 95% of her one rep max for a single. We're going, to, we're going to go for it. We're going to see what she's got in theory. Now, if she comes in tomorrow and she's having an off day or hasn't slept well or whatever, I probably, as a coach, shouldn't be like, well, it's on the board. We're, we're supposed to test today or whatever. And let me eat sidebar. I don't do this with a lot of clients. Leah is a very high-performing client. She can throw some weight. Her 95% happens to be 245 pounds in her back squat. Mm. So we're talking about not nothing here. She's an experienced person. I don't typically do this with with everybody, but so I'm sidebar. Um, All that is to say that percentage-based training does not necessarily take into account daily fluctuations in stress, sleep, recovery, all that. So there's some pros and cons. The nice thing about percentage-based training is it's very black and white. I'm going to do three sets of 10 at 65%. My weight is this. I'm going to do three sets of five at 85% or 80%. My weight is this. And it's kind of nice walking into the gym and being like, this is what I'm going to do with my weights today. This is the weight, my goal weight. This is how many reps. This is how many sets. 
Again, the problem being that if I feel like ass on a day that I'm supposed to go 95%, it's just, it's going to suck. Mm-hmm. So RPE and RIR practically allows us to, instead of saying, Zach, you're going to go 95% of your one rep max today. I can be like, Zach, I want to go, um, maybe let's say not 95%. I want to go three sets of two at an RPE eight. So basically, whatever your full rep max would be, we're going to do three sets of two. And we're going to crank it up. We're going to add plates. We're going to rip. And when we get to a point where you're like, you know what? Like, I've got maybe two, two reps in the tank. We're going to stop there. And we're just going to let that be our weight for the day. So instead mm-hmm. of being, me being like, Zach, I want you to squat 245. I'd be like, Zach, I want you to squat until we get to something that feels good for two, knowing you had two more in the tank. And then we're just going to rock that, whatever that weight ends up being. Mm-hmm. So a little more auto-regulation with programming so instead of being like you have to do xyz be like well let's kind of see how you feel let's see like we kind of have an idea of where we want to be let's try to get there and see what happens Mm -hmm. yeah you know certainly i think when i am training people in person the rpe scale is is obviously a a subjective thing kind of from like both sides both like from the lifter side because they're the only ones who actually can um, communicate their own actual RPE because they're mm-hmm. the ones who are experiencing it. But then as a coach, you, depending on like the clients and how long you've been working with each other, you can maybe, uh, uh, you can maybe kind of tell their RPE, you mm-hmm. know, we know this. Coach says, oh, that looks a little too easy. Mm-hmm. Or, well, that looks a little hard. You know, and so sometimes the, the combination thereof can kind of give you the best um, the best score, so to speak, with the RPE. Um, now, when I am program, when I'm writing out a program, or I'm otherwise doing um, distance coaching, where I'm not live training with somebody, um, I I don't necessarily put a whole heck of a lot of stock in percentage points, but I am more so tight with like prescribing certain numbers Mm -hmm. and you know certainly when we're talking about a periodized program um that's i've talked about this a lot that's why i start on the more conservative side Mm -hmm. with the training block so that we have a nice ramp Mm -hmm. so you know so that we're not redlining anybody now in powerlifting, I I really know of one particular coach who has really built quite a robust system around RPE, mm. and that's a Mike Toucher with uh, Reactive Training Systems. Mm. Um, I've delved into a lot of his work. He's an extremely smart guy. He's got an amazing team of coaches and powerlifting athletes, and he's... He's got a real, again, robust kind of proven system that's more or less based around RPE. Hmm. And I think if you are a lifter who is well-versed in the art and science of RPE, you are a experienced lifter yourself, uh, you have a very 
kind of strong sense of self-awareness mm-hmm. like around your training, I think the RPE system is probably like the best thing that you could like hang your hat on. But mm. those are some mighty high bars to meet. Right. Because I would say that the vast majority of lifters do not have like the type of um, intrinsic awareness that would be required to like get to a highly advanced level just based on RPE training. I agree. And that's my caveat with using it. The As a coach, I'll ask two questions when I see a lift happen. Or like, let's say the bar gets racked. I'll be like, look great. How'd it feel? Yeah. Like, oh, you know, it felt, you know, it felt, it started, started getting challenging. And I'll be like, all right, well, you know, if, if I had just told you to keep going, how many could you have done? Oh, I could have gotten maybe five more. Stack some plates. Right. Oh, and, and to your point, we're seasoned coaches, so I can watch someone. And when they, you know, if they struggle a little bit on those last reps or whatever, and they're like, oh, I could have done five more, I'd be like, hmm. I was watching that lift and it was moving pretty slow. So like maybe one or two more or something like that. So I'll just ask the question, how'd it feel? How many could you have done? And based on that feedback, I'm like, all right, well, let's hang tight for today and just get some clean reps at that weight or let's add some weight. Or maybe if it looks bad and and maybe, you know, because sometimes I get it wrong and I'm like, I'll add some plates and we miss our rep mark by like three or four. I'll be like, my bad. Let's back some weight off, work on technique or whatever. So that's just part of the coaching process. But to your point, RPE is really valuable if you know how to push yourself really fucking hard. And and most of us don't. Right. And, and, and so... And this, this reminds me of our workout last week with as many deadlifts as possible in 10 minutes. Because mm. we actually had this conversation. So... We did I go, you go deadlifts Mm -hmm. for 10 minutes, and we got up to 65 reps per person. Yeah. Right? 130 reps total in 10 minutes. In 10 minutes. With 225? Mm -hmm. Right. So, and, and it really, I mean, it was fun. It was like not that bad. But if I was by myself... And I just had 225 trap bar deadlifts like on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, unless like that number, like that volume number was specifically prescribed. Like I was telling you, I probably would have done like maybe three sets of 10 or three sets of eight. Right. So we're talking like 25 to 30 reps. Sure. But we did double mm-hmm. and it wasn't that bad. In less than 10 or 10 minutes. In 10 minutes. Well, split 10 minutes because you were working and I was working. So right. So what does that, less than 10 yeah. So what does that really, what does that really show us? I mean, it shows us that there are lots of things at play that can A, affect RPE. Like not for nothing, when you're working with a good training partner, you're a, ideally your adrenaline's going up, your work capacity goes up. You know, your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Your arousal level is up. So that by its very nature should increase your work capacity and like decrease RPE mm-hmm. in, in, in a kind of a way. Um, so there's that. And here's like the big elephant in the room. 
shouldn't like every exercise just be RPE eight across the board and then occasionally a nine? I would, Could, couldn't yeah. you couldn't you literally write a program that just said here's an example squat bench deadlift pick any rep range three by ten five by five five three one RPE eight RPE eight across the board times twelve months have at it like technically that should be all you would ever need mm-hmm. and technically that's that's right but it's like well how does that actually work in real life and that's where i think someone like mike Tushier like actually delves in and really really uh really gets into that data and really has a really has a a craft of programming around that data but at the end of the day, like your warm-ups should be like an RPE like five to seven. Mm-hmm. Your work sets should be an RPE probably eight to nine. Probably eight to nine. Seven. So we'll say seven to nine. Seven to nine, mm-hmm. and then like if you're maxing out, it should be a ten. Mm-hmm. Like that's strength training in a nutshell in like two sentences. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's funny, it's funny, like the, I forget, I forget what we were talking about, but like, uh, whenever you're talking about like a scale, of like one to 10, seven should never be used. Hmm. I think, I think we spoke about this. We were rating something one to 10 and you gave it a seven. I was like, you can't give it a seven. I don't remember what that was. It was something, it was something. But so, so that's another thing. So like, just, just think about an example. If you were working with a client you say, hey, scale of 1 to 10, how tough was that? And they said it was a 7. That almost doesn't mean anything. Um, um, you know, it's like, it, was that really a 7? Like you only had 3 RIR? Wolf. Or is that actually closer to like a 5.5? Like it was, easy, it was right. doable but uncomfortable? Or was it actually an eight, but you felt like you could really eke out three more, so you're giving a seven? Well, so seven is I, always like... And you and I have both seen grinders that, that people would be like, they would call that a ten or a nine. And you're like, that rep was dog shit. Like, <laughs> if it not had not been for me being here spotting you on this bar, you would not have gotten it. That was definitely an RPE ten. Don't be telling me nine. Don't be telling me you had a, more, a couple more in you. I was there. I saw it. You right. didn't got it. You know, right, and then that also begs a question: like, okay, maybe an RPE nine, but like, if the weight was, you know, just a little bit, if it was a little bit lighter, you know, does that, you 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 know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like because it's a subjective judgment on something that's already happened. Mm-hmm. It has some it has some serious um, limitations, mm-hmm. we'll say. But um, all that to say, uh, if you really dig into it and you really take the whole RPE concept to heart, ideally what that should do is actually like 
help you work harder. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I just I think most people left to their own devices. That's not the case. Well, and two, what you could do, and I've seen it work this way, instead of instead of being reactive with RPE, like in the moment and being like, all right, well, let's add plates or let's remove plates. You could just work a phase of, let's say, a three-week phase of three sets of ten. Uh, it doesn't matter what the exercise is. Let's say three sets of ten. Whatever the weight was, client rates it in RPE nine or something in week one, right? Week two, same sets, same reps, same weight, how to feel. I probably had two more in me, whatever. Week three, maybe they feel great. They come in, same weight, same reps, same exercise. Now it's an RPE five. I got plenty more. Then let's, all right, now we've used that data over the past three weeks. Now we're making that jump. We're going to go five or 10 pounds up. Rock, you know, run it again. So to your point, instead of using an RPE 8 for an entire year, maybe we use RPE 8 for week one. And then if week two, it moves better, it's an RPE 7. Let's just, well, maybe let's hang maybe for, for one more week. The following week, it's an RPE 6. Week four, we're adding weight. And we're back to an RPE 8 or 9. Week two, so on and so forth, seven or eight. Week three, six to seven. Week four, add weight. Mm-hmm. And that's a way of using RPE to then add load and, add, and progressive overload or whatever. So, yeah. and I think the nice thing about RPE <clears throat> is it gives you a little bit more flexibility both in terms of auto-regulation. Like if you feel great, you can send it. If you don't feel great, you can back off a little bit. You can use RPE to help guide you as far as load selection and reps and so on and so forth. Um, and then there's another point that I was going to make and then I lost it as I was telling the other part. But mm. um, yeah, I think you can use it to help navigate and also help progress you long term. Again, the caveat being you got to know what a 10 feels like. And I think you you probably know, and I definitely know a few clients that have no idea what a 10 feels like. They've never done it. Or whatever they think is a 10, if I really forced them, if I was no, I was like, no, keep going, keep going, keep going. They could probably give me five, six, seven, eight more. That's yeah. not an RPE 10. That's an RPE 3. <laughs> you know? Right, right. So I think you have to have that experience of knowing what it, what it you have to know what it feels to get punched in the face yeah. with a lift. And if you don't, then you can't really tell me that was an RPE 10 when you don't know what it feels like to get punched in the face. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, I do solicit RPE feedback from clients that I program for so that I, so that I know, okay, this weight that I prescribed, if they're telling me it's a 7, it's probably a 4. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's often the case. Sure. So I'm I'm kind of wanting to see like okay that was a hard eight so that I kind of know that I'm in the ballpark, or or whatever the case may be, so that I can keep that in mind as I'm programming out the following weeks, mm-hmm. as the case may be. Speaking of knowing what a ten feels like and getting punched in the face, so we were doing sleds. Mm-hmm. In the god awful Tennessee heat, yeah, Saturday and morning. That was we did fun. we did those five rounds. I didn't think it was all that bad. 
It was, don't get me wrong, it was hard. I could tell that you didn't think it was all that bad. I don't know if you could tell that I thought. I could tell. It was real bad. <laughs> now, I will also say I think this. your RPE was like a nine and my RPE was like a seven. <laughs> I, will also, I will also say this, and it's not bad. Um, I think you were, you were modulating your effort, right? Like in, interset or intraset? No, in, interset. In in the set while I was doing it. While you were doing it. Yeah. Like you were taking nice I was very even yeah. deliberate steps. Yep. I was sprinting. Oh, that was a sprint. Bro. <laughs> I'm tactical sized. It looks not slow. It feels Honestly, we can review the Instagram. That's videos. true. Yours probably was faster than mine. Yeah, I was, I was, I was a little bit faster than you. Right. And, well, and in fairness, I was. You're right. I, I don't know if I was thinking about it in terms of like conserving energy necessarily, but in my head when I was doing it, I I got into a rhythm, and I was like, I know that if I lose the rhythm, I'm going to slow down and not finish the set. So yeah. I need to keep the staccato sort of rhythm going so that it continues moving, and then I can flip it around and come back again. So the rhythm was more about. Like being in the moment, being like, okay, I know that this is something I can sustain for the next 60 yards or however long that turf is. Yeah. No, I wasn't saving anything for the swim back. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I I was going for it. So first two rounds were not bad and I didn't push myself that much. Mm -hmm. That fourth round that I think you filmed... I was going going pretty hard. I I had to do it for the gram. I had to do it for the gram. (laughs) But that last one... That was that was full send. Yeah, that was me like sprinting with the, with the sled, and uh, I hung on the chain link fence for a couple minutes and counted the beads as mm. they fell off my face. You were yeah, you were perspiring aggressively. <laughs> I was not. In now here here's the thing. But I I say that I bring that up because even that was probably like an. That was even probably like an RPE 9. Like, mm-hmm. I probably had one more lap in me or a little bit more time. Um, but I only know that gear from jujitsu. Hmm. You know? Well, again, I think you and I would both agree. Like, um, the nice thing about when we did the deadlifts thing, the we did 130 reps in 10 minutes between the two of us. Did you think that on rep number five, that was an RPE 10? Because you and I both did fives. You went five, I went five. You went five, I went five. So on and so forth, we got 65 reps each. On rep five, was that a 10? RPE 10? No. No, it was like an RPE probably five or six. Truthfully. It was probably four. Right. It wasn't all that bad. Yeah. But you and I talked about this. The goal... And, and I think the RPE went down as we went. I agree. Right? Actually, it felt easier. So that's a whole... Almost like we got into a rhythm. Now... That's a whole other can of worms. Right. That's a whole other can of worms. how is the RPE going down as the effort is technically going up? Right. So I think there's an interesting thing here. What I like about open-ended, like the I go, you go with the sleds or the I go, you go 10-minute cap on the deadlifts is that it's a careful dance between going hard and getting the reps that you want to get and knowing what your recovery looks like because you got to go again with a sled push we did five laps you did one i did one you did one i did one while i was in it i was like this is a tempo that i know that i can sustain for this moment 
and recover from and go back into it here in a minute. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like it's kind of like going in for a, like a long run. You go too fast, you burn yourself out too early. You go too slow, you're probably not making like any like you're not putting enough effort to make any changes. It's trying to find that sweet spot of being able to sustain whatever it is that you're doing. Deadlifts and the sleds combined. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think RPE is is a useful tool, but only if you know how to use it. And I also think, and I think you would agree, that there's only a handful, like a select few exercises that RPE probably ought to be used. Deadlift, bench, squat, let's say maybe leg press or hack squat. Like a chest supported row, I'm not going to be like, give me an RPE 8. I'm going to be like, (laughs) rip, rip and rip. Or push-ups, I'm going to be like, rip. I don't care what your RPE is, go. When you fail, then you fail. You lay on the ground. I don't care what that is. Just keep going. Same with like, I don't know, walking lunges. I'm not going to give people like three sets of eight walking per leg walking lunge with an RPE 8. I'm going to be like, make it hard. Because worst case scenario, if your technique starts to falter, you can stop. Or you can set the weights down and come back to it. So I think you and I would agree that there's a whole swath of exercises that we would never use RPE with. We'd just be like, get your reps. And if it was easy, add weight. And also, like in terms of like tracking, if you did three sets of ten per leg on a walking lunge with thirty-five pounds in your hands, and it wasn't so bad, make some change somewhere. More reps, more weight, or both. I don't mm-hmm. care. Make a change. But I wouldn't use RPE for all that stuff. I would use RPE for squat, bench, dead, and maybe some other big ass lifts, uh, overhead press, probably if I did it. But I don't do it because my shoulders hate me. Stuff like that. Where there's, like, we probably ought to talk about how do you feel, how to look, how to go. Yeah. But everything else, psh, go. Just keep going. As hard as you can. I mean, you know, yeah. Couldn't have said that any better myself. Okay. Just keep going. Just keep going. Hard as you can. That's true. You were going pretty hard, and you, I kept checking in on you, and I thought you were dying, and I was like, I'm not dying over here. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't having a great time. It wasn't a cool breeze, but it was. I wasn't dying, and I was actually surprised because I thought I would be. Well, that's that's kind of the beauty of something like uh, the sled or any any type of like erg, um, like echo bike or you know your ski or your row, mm-hmm. is that it's a it's just a little extra effort mm-hmm. on your part. To right. go from a 7 to an 8 to a 9, you know, t- to a 10. Well, and in fairness, if you and I really wanted to, we could revisit sled pushes on the turf every Saturday. And we could put some parameters on it. We'd say we had, what, 180 pounds external external weights. I don't know what that sled weighs. 180 pounds plus the sled. Let's say we have to do five, uh, five laps. Given those parameters, we could have timed ourselves on Saturday to see how like what it took to get it done and then the following week been like all right let's beat that by 60 seconds or two minutes then like now we have to each get we have to combine get 10 laps of 180 pounds plus the sled in two minutes faster than we did a week ago Mm. now we're talking like we have to put parameters on it right now you and I aren't doing that regularly enough that we could be like oh here's how we would progress this Right. Here's the ironic thing. Hmm. 
with 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 what you just laid out. And this is what I think is also one of the problems with CrossFit that we've mm. actually talked about on this podcast. I think we could like beat our time if we do like an I go you go and mm-hmm. like bring that density in, like mm-hmm. if we're doing like a ten minute thing. But ironically, I think our RPE, our actual output effort, would go down. Because I think we would pace ourselves mm-hmm. intraset so that we could recover easier for the next bout. Mm-hmm. My and, and this is why this is like not easily trackable. My thing is is like, okay, if I actually go pedal to the metal, mm-hmm. I'm gonna need ten minutes just to catch my breath. Right. You know what I mean? So it's almost more like, yeah, for like maybe like general like work capacity and like a challenge type thing um, to see like how many laps we could do in 10 minutes. I think that's like worth doing. But ironically, I think that will lessen the actual effort that we're putting into each lap. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, I could, I could reduce my RPE by two points and it's only going to add an extra five or six seconds to the Mm. lap you wouldn't even notice Mm. but subjectively you would notice well that's what i'm saying you You know yeah i shaved your time and i was like it took you however many minutes to do your five laps yeah i'd be like all right now you got to do it in two minutes shorter period of time and now your rp is probably especially if you go from week one to week two your rp is probably gonna go through the roof yeah because I guess your adaptations aren't going to be that fast yeah i guess really the play would just be measuring like how long it takes to do one lap but even still, that can get a little tricky. It, the best would be if we had one long stretch. So what if else? If we was like out on a football field. Right. Well, there's yeah. that, but also I think that if we had a longer stretch of turf. But also if I put a 10-minute timer on you and been like, just go. And you can't stop. I don't care how you get it done, but you cannot stop moving for 10 minutes. And let's say we're on a 100-yard football field with a sled. And I was like, Zach, I'm going to give you 10 minutes to cover as many yards as you can. That, and you can't, and again, your feet can't stop moving. Mm. That, I think RPE would go through the roof. But you would also, just by law of specificity, week one to week two to week three to week four, you would make improvements. Right, right. right. It's one of those things that because you're doing it and because you're like working through it week in and week out, you're going to make improvements. So it, it, it gets to be hairy. It, or, this is how we could do it. Let's say... Another way of looking at it is you have to go 100-yard football field. You have to go down and back twice. So that's one, two, three, 400 yards. How much time? What's your RPE? Next week, 400 yards. Measure your time. Measure your RPE. Week three, down and back, 400 yards. Measure your time. RPE. Again, I think we would see over the course of three to four weeks, RPE would go down and your time would come down. And, and, and a, it's just specificity at that point. We're just leveraging your body being like, holy shit, that sucks. I'm going to make sure it doesn't suck next time. Yeah. So anyway, but that's, yeah. RPE is a way or reps in reserve is a way that we can measure progress in the gym or allow for more auto-regulation, especially from a population of people who don't live for the gym. I think RPE can be useful if you know what a 10 feels like, if you've been lifting long enough, 
And again, to like accommodate for good days, bad days, whatever. But mm-hmm. only for a select few exercises. Boom. Roasted. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, before we subjected ourselves to the sled pushes on Saturday, we were uh, pontificating on some overrated, underrated exercises. Mostly overrated. Mostly overrated, as we were... um, Lifting. As we were getting our hack squats in. (laughs) That was was fun. I, uh, I will admit... You uh, you really sent it on that hack squat machine. You were doing sets of twenty. Two by twenty. By twenty, I uh, I'll be honest. I did not post that video to Instagram because I was afraid that you might be embarrassed that you were only using fifty pounds. Oh well, that's what we call. <laughs> I would have had to qualify, but like I'm doing two sets of twenty. To be fair, I was going to qualify and be like, hey, on this particular machine. Two 25-pound plates is a challenge. I don't know why that machine feels so heavy. It it's it feels, te- I mean, it feels terrible, but in a good way. Yeah, I it just, feels so hard. I don't know why, because if I if you if I if I put my feet up on the leg press with only a 25-pound plate per side, that would be embarrassing. I'd kick you out. Right, that would be really embarrassing. But the hack squat weighs a ton. I'm gonna call it a half ton. I don't know. A quarter ton. It just weighs so much that even 20 pounds, again, 20 pounds or 20 reps, so it was hard, but it looks like you're not doing anything at all. I think, I think the sled, the, the hack squat sled itself weighs a lot, and there's something about that angle that it puts you in mm-hmm. that is also challenging as well. Right. And the fact that it's like actually on your back and mm-hmm. you're like pushing, because you're kind of like pushing. The physics there might be kind of weird because in an actual barbell squat, all of your effort is just going into that narrow bar. Mm-hmm. I feel like in the hack squat machine, there's some like dispersion of what you're actually pressing against. Yeah. I think it's like shoulders and upper back. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on there. But all that to say, if somebody didn't know any better, um, you might think it looked kind of embarrassing going to town on just those two little plates. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so that's why I didn't post it. Okay. So, all all that to say, between our hack squats, we were talking about uh, overrated exercises. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think, I think I brought up the topic of uh, what's the most overrated leg exercise (laughs) as we were... Doing hack squats. As we were doing these puny little hack squats. Um... And Andy, what, did you, what was your answer? Well, uh, my answer was the deadlift. A barbell deadlift is my most overrated exercise. Now I'm going to have to qualify my answer. The first is I do believe the deadlift is more of a, a lower body exercise than a back one. I've never understood in like bodybuilding programs. on They call it back day, but they do deadlifts. I'm like... It's an isometric hold with anything that's above the waist. Like, there's no eccentric, like, concentric anything, really. And up, like, your upper body. Point B. All right. Anyway, not a back exercise. It's a lower body exercise. Um, barring the idea that you might want to, like, pick up as much weight as possible off the ground, which I do think is a 
cool thing to do. Um, and I do think it's important for the mechanical tension part of a hypertrophy program. At the same time, I think the loading is high. The volume needs to be low. If you're anybody that's over 30, especially, the volume probably needs to be low. The intensity needs to be high. It's a mostly concentric exercise, right? Like, none of us are doing, like, four-count eccentrics on a deadlift. You lock it out, and you kind of, you kind of, you don't fall out of it. You lower it, but... Some of us are doing a four-count eccentric. When you're deadlift, you're not. Some some fans of the show, maybe. Okay. Somebody who listens to the show is doing a four-count eccentric on their deadlift, which sounds miserable. All that is to say... I'll give you one guess who it is. I know who it is. <laughs> um, so, I, I think the deadlift in terms of overall... Um, I think muscle recruitment and, and, and mechanical tension can be high, but the volume has to be low. And it punches you in the face if you are like doing it well and doing it right and doing it with a shitload of weight, which I think can take away from other exercises that take your muscles through greater range of motion. If, I'll put it this way, if at the end of the day you just want to look good, feel good, and build some muscle, the deadlift is not on my list. A Romanian deadlift is... Because it's an eccentric focus, it's more hamstring to, like dominant. It's also glute dominant. People like having butts. So if I had to pick between a Romanian deadlift and a deadlift in terms of overall physique and strength and muscle building and look good, feel good, Romanian deadlift ten out of ten. No way. Unless your goal is to know what it feels like to deadlift or to learn it, or if your goal is to pick up a shitload of weight off the ground, aka a deadlift. I can make a case for never including a deadlift in a program ever again. Very easily. So that was my overrated lower body exercise. Mm. Bold. Mm. I know. There's probably going to be a lot of hate mail from that one. But I said it. And I believe it. I stick to my convictions. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. uh, Practically practically for, uh, for the entire package there. I don't really think I have a real. I don't really think I have like a, 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 like a real choice for an overrated leg exercise that wouldn't be obvious, like, uh, you know, just some like maybe any and outy machine. I don't know, you know, something like that. Um, but what I was mentioning, I think when when we were talking about the deadlift, um, as well as another exercise I think we might get to here on the show, is that at a certain point, like the deadlift is its own, is its own skill. Mm-hmm. It, it occupies, it occupies this space in, in physicality, in the lifting world, where uh, the pursuit of, the deadlift off the floor specifically um, supersedes like the benefits that it offers to any particular like muscle group Mm. or even to your body in general. So that, that is the double edged sword that we have to play with in training. A lot of times is at what point is specificity for specificity's sake versus growing and strengthening 
a particular muscle group or like your body in general. Hmm. So the deadlift, like let's say up to two times body weight, probably really good for your overall health, your ability to generate muscular tension, which is obviously good for both like strength and muscle building. Once you get beyond that, now you're just deadlifting for deadlifting's sake. Right. And at that point, you're firmly into powerlifting territory, hmm. which is great, which is fantastic, because obviously I have a big foot in that world. But you're not talking, th- but then you're no longer talking about a leg exercise. Hmm. You're talking about a sport. Right. You're talking about a skill. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. And of course, I agree um, that something like an eccentric focused uh, RDL. Um, is uh, dynamite for the uh, glutes and hamstrings far over something like just a, a heavy deadlift off the floor. Right. Well, and, you know, in terms of intensity, volume, sets, reps, all that, I, I can do, I can rip three by 10 on 225 Romanian deadlift. And it sucks. It's hard. But I recover a lot better than, let's say, if I were to do three sets of five at 315 or 365 or whatever my deadlift I don't even know what my deadlift is now I think I recover better from volume like three four sets five sets of eight to twelve on a Romanian deadlift I recover so much better and my back likes me better than doing heavy pulls from the ground yeah so and it's so funny obviously since we're talking about like this theme of like a leg exercise training the hamstrings through hip extension like a deadlift or a kettlebell swing mm-hmm. is different than training the hamstrings in a knee flexion mm-hmm. capacity, mm-hmm. like a leg curl. Mm-hmm. And it is so funny to compare the strength of one's hip hinge, or like the hamstring capacity in one's hip hinge, compared to like a leg curl. Because mm-hmm. you might be able to, you know, hip hit, like hip thrust or deadlift or kettlebell swing, big weights all the time. But you put somebody on a little stability ball and tell them to do a little stability ball leg curl and suddenly the world's on fire. <laughs> you know? It's like, well, okay. So that's that maybe tells you something in terms of like the holes that we, the patterns that we need to fill mm-hmm. in terms of like actually training the leg musculature. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. All right. Do you want to go to the upper body one? Well, I was going to say, we also went uh, pretty hard on the seated leg curl on Saturday. Well, we did. And I like that one. And I think it makes my knees feel better, especially if I'm going to do a knee flexion, like squat, like the hack squat. It always makes my knees feel better. So I do yeah. like the seated hamstring curl. Also, I don't have one at my own gym. So I never get to do that unless I'm at Gym 5. And I got to say, I took it as a big compliment when you were uh, when you were like, whoa, did you bump this weight up? Yeah. I was like, this hurts. And I was doing Hard. more reps than you? I think you were doing more reps than me. And I was him. doing them faster? Yeah, probably. All right, I'll stop. I mean... <laughs> I had a few beers on Friday night. I was not bringing my A game on Saturday. Except for the sled. Stop. Somehow the sled, I was feeling great. <laughs> when we got to the sled out in the heat, I was like, this is not so bad. Um, all right, so we both picked an upper body one. We agreed on, but I'm going to let you take this one. Mm. 
so overrated upper body. We get so much hate mail. Push. <laughs> I'm going with the bench press. Yeah. Going with the bench press. Barbell bench press specifically. Specifically, yeah. Again, I I really think that because you can make the same argument that we did with the deadlift, in the sense that you know if you can, you should like reasonably be able to bench press like your own body weight. Probably. I can close grip bench press my own body weight, but well, you also have reconstructed shoulders yeah and one that's going bad so the fact that i can close grip bench 185 for a few reps even though one of my shoulders feels he's gonna explode out the like backside of my yeah it's pretty good that's not bad yeah but i can't i can't wide grip or not not even wide normal grip bench anymore at all not at all and let's say before your shoulder injuries you could bench 275 for a single was my best there you go and you could rep 185 for right now 10, 12. I would say it depends on um, depends on my RPE. Depends on the day. Probably five to ten. Well, back like in good the day. Well, oh. back in the day. Oh, back in the day. Oh, yeah, ten to twelve, easy. Yeah, easy. Yeah. Now probably about five, uh, four or five. Sure. And that's pushing my luck with that shoulder, but yeah. Sure. Well, all that to say, like I, I could see like the bench press being a standard for like overall body strength just as an expression of mm-hmm. strength just like the deadlift yeah mm-hmm. i mean you just think if like if you if you had um again same thing like the deadlift you think like if you have a twin brother mm-hmm. who's exactly the same weight as you can you pick him up off the floor when the house is on fire carry him outside to the backyard mm. sure if that same brother like jumped on top of you, tried to body slam you, could you bench press him off your chest? Mm. Uh, that's maybe kind of a weird example, but that's <laughs> that's the way that I think about these things when you're talking about like manipulating or uh, lifting your own body weight. So I think just being able to bench press a certain amount of weight, I think around your body weight is probably a good standard. But apart from that. Um, I, I definitely don't think it is a, uh, a great way to develop the musculature of the upper body over the long term. Right. And, and that was kind of similar to the deadlift where if um, picking up pure weight off the ground and setting it down again is your goal, then yeah, you should be good at the deadlift and, and train it. Same with the bench press. If you want to be able to say you bench three wheels or whatever, then yeah, definitely be working on that bench press. But if you came to me and you said, I just want to have a good looking backside and a good looking chest and shoulder, like good shoulder development, RDL instead of the deadlift and probably a dumbbell uh, bench press variation uh, as opposed to a barbell uh, bench variation. Yeah. For pure overall muscle development. And again, we're qualifying this. And so before people send hate mail, like you're wrong about these exercises, we both see the utility and the value in these exercises, but we are qualifying this response with, in terms of their, I think this is the other thing. We're saying they're overrated because we're also recognizing how prolific they are in most weight rooms throughout the world, right? You and I both recognize that a lot of people deadlift, a lot of people barbell bench press. And that's great. That's good stuff. We're not saying don't do that because they're great exercises. 
What we are saying is, for how popular they are, we think they're a little bit overrated. Especially if your goal is not to lift a brick shit house, whether from the floor or off your chest. If those are not your goals, then I, you and I can both make a case for never deadlifting from the floor and never barbell bench pressing. Yeah. And, you know, hey, we talk about Gym 5 all the time being a place where, like, people really come to work hard. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have, like, really good form, mm-hmm. honestly, compared to a lot of gyms. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a lot of, like, pro, um, you know, not professional lifters, but, like, people who, like, know their way around the weight. Oh, yeah. And all oh, that yeah. Stuff. They know what they're doing. Definitely. Definitely. And even with that being said, the two places where I cringe... Even to this day, seeing people lift a gym five are deadlifting mm-hmm. and bench pressing. Mm-hmm. Bench pressing more so because most people who are deadlifting in gym five like really know what they're doing. But that being said, there's there's very few cringy moments where I like oof like really have to avert my eyes. Um, but the two places that that it's only ever happened practically. Um, have been watching people deadlift and watching mostly watching dudes bench press. Hmm. It's just like, what's going on here? This yeah. is bad. Well, and, and you know, maybe as a, as a part of this conversation, they're both big ego lifts, which you and I would agree as coaches, like that's the worst place to be, especially when you're at gym five and you're trying to show out. The bench press and the deadlift are two that people care a lot about. And probably the two that people lift more with their ego than they do with their muscles, right? Mm. So it's one of those things like, you know, go for it. Do the thing. Lift those weights. Whatever you want to do. It's hard to tell people to check their ego on bench and dead because they want to pull as much weight as possible or they want to press as much weight as possible. And so that's when things get a little bit hairy. Yeah. So, again, at the end of the day, if, if pure aesthetics... And for, I don't like to use the word, but people understand what I'm trying to say, like functionality in terms of like movement ability. I think you and I would agree that there are better alternatives than the barbell bench and the barbell deadlift. Great exercises, but use sparingly, basically. And to be fair, you don't have to travel very far away because then we're just talking about the alternatives being like maybe an RDL Mm -hmm. or like uh, just independent dumbbell bench press. Right, right. Yeah. Which are the exact same. It's still a hinge and still a press. Still a horizontal press. They're just different tools that are probably going to do a better job in terms of muscle recruitment and like building mass and like a hypertrophy program and also be stuff that you can do without as much wear and tear on your joints. And I say that knowing that plenty of people don't have wear and tear on their joints, but they end up being difficult on people's bodies at times. RDL is less so because it's lighter weight. You can do more volume. Dumbbell bench press, lighter weight. You can do more volume. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got on that one. I could, I mean, you and I could keep talking all day long about this. We have an hour long podcast. That's why I'm not. Honestly, I think I, there's, there's the two things that I did want to talk about. We might have to save it, but do you have anything else to go on, on this list of overrated exercises? I do not. I okay. do not. I was, I was literally biting my tongue, just letting you get out any, I was any, trying, any of the rest. 
I was trying not to because again, I could say I could talk all day long about it. I know, I know. Well, we were uh, originally planning on covering both of those topics in 15 minutes, which turned into 55, hmm. just like that. So, if, okay. Do you want to prime the, maybe next week's episode? We're going to have Brian. For sure. So I don't know what we're going to... We might talk about more like business stuff because he owns a gym. So mm-hmm. we might talk about some business stuff. Business. But B-I-Z. in case we want to prime the audience for next week, what was the topic that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to? Um, pull-up grips? We, and... we wanted to do like a rapid fire. Oh, yeah. Sort of, sort of a rapid fire... How do you coach this and why? Like, your, uh, your question to me was pull-up grip. Oh, okay. Why do you do pull-ups a certain way? Uh-huh. And I was going to ask you how you coach a barbell deadlift, or the irony being that we were just talking about <laughs> not doing it. You coaching a barbell deadlift, and I asked you what stance you picked mm-hmm. first. And it actually surprised me a little bit. Oh. Yeah, it did. It surprised me. You'll have to tune in next time to, to find in next time. out. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Having a coach on next week, well, this will be a good one because we yeah. can talk about overrated exercises. We can also talk about the things that we coach and how and why we coach them right off the bat, like mm-hmm. this. Yeah, yeah. This will be fun. Yep. I've never asked Brian these questions. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So next week, Brian. Um, yeah, Brian. Specifically, an old friend of yours, mm-hmm. uh, coach down in Austin, Texas. Well, he's got a these gym days. in Grand Rapids, but yes, he lives in Austin, Texas now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, looking forward to uh, chatting with him. And I am also looking forward to probably the week after that. Uh, we might have a different sound setup. Mm. So this may be one of the last. Times you're hearing us in this particular sound setup. Hopefully, our next one will be at least a little bit better because we're always iterating for you, the listener. Mm. And for those who are asking about live streaming and video, that may be making a comeback in some limited capacity in the future, depending on how this new microphone setup works out. Oh, that, yeah, that would be helpful. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. Yep. All right, Playa, anything else? No. I'm just working on my shoulder flexion and extension earlier while I was rolling that paint in the nursery. <laughs> That's about it. No. Yeah, we painted the nursery. I, we, I painted the nursery earlier. My wife's carrying a baby. She, she doesn't have to do that much. Yeah, she's doing the hard work. She's doing the hard work. That Apparently, night. the baby was kicking all day long today. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's like, this baby's wild. She's doing the squats. Playing soccer in that belly, I guess. (laughs) All right. Well, that does it from us. It's the A to Z show. No BS. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.